can feel it. I definitely can feel it. There's a lot going on and a lot of things that uh, are coming and manifesting. Uh, it's important for people to recognize that each and every one of us occupies two worlds. The outer world of people, places, and things, and then how we feel about things, our thoughts, our sensation, intuition, right? What the out, the, with the outer world, we share um, everything. The inner world, we keep to ourselves. And that is what we need to be working on as people. The inner suffering, uh, the conflicting ideas. You know, the world could be crumbling around you. You can literally have a world on fire around you and still be at peace. It was only in August where I said, brace yourselves. You need to find that calm within the storm, your own still. And that doesn't mean, you know, literally be still. But find that inner peace to listen to yourself. Find that inner peace to understand things within yourself. So that way you have the ability to discern fact from fiction. Basically, making your mind, your inner mind, and your thoughts your best friend and not your enemy. If we must learn something in life, um, we must learn how to balance these two worlds in order to enjoy a successful external world without the internal suffering. And that is how we can conquer our psyche and exist amicably. Today's world, external metrics, uh, follows money, beauty, height, weight, hair color, all these metrics that are externally imposed on you are what we use, right? This is what we use in order to measure a person, right? And they, and they demand a lot of our energy in order to upkeep because we feel like we have the need to conquer the world outside rather than be masters of our own internal world. And be this doggy with the cup. While everything's on fire, doggy's like, this is fine. It's all right. It's just a little bit hot. It's fine. It's hot. So it's, it's quite important that we master our inner self. Because when there's turmoil, when there's confusion, when there's war, when there are attacks, when everything you hold so dear is under fire, you have to be that calm person. There was a photo I was looking for today. Maybe you guys will remember it. It showed some football player grabbing the ball, right? And he was kind of just um, floating through the tackle. And he looked pretty. And he, it's like he was posing. I don't know if you guys remember that photo. That's what you need to be. That photo of the president where he's sitting there. I had pinned it on my Twitter profile. He's sitting there and everyone around him seems to be moving in a blur. And he's standing still. To be still 
doesn't mean you stand still, right? It means to find that inner peace. While there was Abe behind him and all these people, he stood there with his hand propping his face with a little smirk like, mm, hey, that's what's up. And this is what working under pressure is too. You take it all in stride, you freak out, of course, but you take it all in stride. So right now, this is all of us, this little doggy with a coffee cup, you know, sitting in a ring of fire with a weird smile and a little hat saying, you know, this is fine. This is totally fine. <laughs> because if you guys remember, I did tell you about the Statue of Liberty. And the reason I did is because then no one would have noticed that we're getting a sister Statue of Liberty. What does that mean? Uh, beware of Trojan horses, my friend. Beware of Trojan horses. Those are, <laughs> we have so many of those, so many of those. But in the end, God wins. In the end, the truth always comes out. In the end, people become brave. It only takes one person to be very brave, <laughs> I guess. Those are the people that get the first arrows. They hate. They hate you now, love you later. They hate. And today is a olive branch since they're all running out of freaking content, talking shit. I thought I'd give them actual content so they can pretend to be doing something for whatever they're doing. So it's important that people know how their taxpayer dollars were used. See, I've said this before and I've said this with no... Um, Hiccup. My spiel was always energy and money. I dealt with some of the biggest energy geopolitics maneuverings you can imagine. If that meant war, that meant war. If that meant to pacify the enemy or to deceive the enemy, the enemy being the country that we wanted to invade. Um, looking back on it, they weren't uh, any, anyone who stifles their ability to access money or to do as they wish is an enemy. So that was, that was my thing. But money was also my thing. Money was also my thing. I would intern at, I interned at UBS, Merrill, Goldman, Bear, Kuwaiti Securities, Nippon Securities, naming them all out. Hold on. Um, oh, what's the one in Monaco called? Ooh, it was a boutique one. It had to do with Gazprom. That one. Intern, intern, intern. I did that. And while I did that, I looked at money. So the one thing I know is how people hide money because I was supposed to find out how they were hiding money. Where's my money, right? Kind <laughs> of like what Noriega said to Barr. Where's my money? So I thought it was important for people to see where your money's going, right? To these miscellaneous foreign awareness, uh, uh, for, foreign awardees. Because <laughs> some of those foreign awardees are Rosemont, Seneca, and the Cayman Islands. We'll talk about that later, right? Federal money. But right now, what people need to look at is on Telegram, I've posted 
from usaspending.gov actual companies that have received American taxpayer dollars, starting with Appalachian Program to Save the Children, Save the Children, Save the Children Puerto Rico, Save the Children Federation, Save the Children Federation Inc., Save the Children Federation Inc., Save the Children Federation Inc., SCFI, Save the Children Federation Inc., Federation Inc. Why are there so many Federation Inc.? Save the Children Office Arkansas. Save the Children Office Kentucky. Save the Children Office South Carolina. Why are they so many of the same, the same, the same, the same name? Because they all are different entities. <laughs> 35 actually. And they all fall under this thing called miscellaneous foreign awardees. Uh, there's so many of them. The address is at 1800 F Street. Northwest Washington D street. Hmm. So these, these are funds that they have taken. And I put a few screenshots so you can see it, that the majority of that money went to Ethiopia during Epstein's time and Guatemala, of course, but the top States, <laughs> Connecticut, North Carolina, DC, North Dakota, and Louisiana. Hello. See, Saving the children isn't about saving the children. It's not. It's not. But call this uh, throwing a bone to all your fellow, you know, decoder crowds and telling you about stuff. I've given them some actual shit to look at because they've run out of stuff. You know, maybe they could sit there and send people down those rabbit holes. You know, what was funny is one person was like, oh, look, North Dakota. You know what people don't know? You know, that chick that founded Oxygen and Nickelodeon, Kitty, right? Who was on Epstein's flight and there, 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 right? Right? She's Wayne Stengem, the attorney general of North Dakota's cousin, okay? Just so you guys know what kind of people exist in office. Just so you know, okay, who these people are when people talk shit. So I've given the, the Red String crew a lot to do so they can have actual content rather than talk out of their asses, okay? And, and saying things that are untrue. Why don't you at least give them some true stuff, right? Why don't you use usaspending.gov and see where all that money is, right? Why don't you actually do what people supposedly think you're doing? And that's giving them something. So why don't you take your red string and post it on something real this time? Something real and tangible that you can actually vet rather than my sources say, or you're pulling squirrels out your desk. Let's just focus on some real things. Okay. Now, hopefully there'll be people that'll take that and run with it. It would be a good thing. Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. You ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. See, the thing is, nobody wants to talk about it, but bottom line is, you know, the juice is coming. And no matter how much people have maimed the truth, shot the truth, attacked the truth, ignored the truth, I mean, we were all here, on here together. It's going to be inevitable. You're going to have to talk about it. You could say whatever you want right now, but everything you're going to be talking about is because... I'm putting it out there for you because you ignored me. It's going to be inevitable. It's going to come a time where truth cannot be hidden. And this is that time. Now, while we can talk about current events, um, 
I wanted to start, I just wanted to talk about one current event. That's it. And that's showcasing whistleblowers, right? Uh, there's a lot of whistleblowers that do have protections and a lot of people like myself and Bergie that don't. Okay. And Bergie actually has documentation to prove shit. I don't have shit. I'm, some, I'm a ghost. <laughs> I'm a ghost. The only thing I have is this mind and whatever dead man switches I may or may not have. So I am very, very excited to have seen uh, more people come forward and specifically fire burn live on TV. Though having said that this can also be orchestrated. So, so it can also be orchestrated because this is how you remove things. Okay. 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 So I have to say that I was extremely excited to see that a journalist decided to do her job and be a journalist. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's false, right? We just have to accept it at face value and it will show you its merit. Remember that. Don't dismiss people. Don't dismiss what they tell you, right? Accept it at face value and then you decide, you know, if it's meritful or not. That's how you should operate in all aspects of your life. There's a lot of people saying, uh, yeah, I need to trust. Fuck that. You need to trust everything at 100%. It's up to whoever the person is or whatever the content is to keep itself there. Okay? That's how you get it done. That's how things are done. You need to take it at face value. That's how you're going to get it done. By taking it to face value. So... Face value. Interesting comment right there. Face value, face value, face value. Now let's see this face value together um, and tell me what you think. Hold Outages me, across the region. Hold on. Let me show it to you so you can see it, actually. Give me a second. All right. Let's see. Oh, can I do that? Let me see if I can do that. Is it letting me do that? I have to use some other software today. Okay, and I'm hoping this works. Across the region, Fox 26 okay. reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being to, subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to across the region. Fox 26 reporter Ivory Hecker is live in Montgomery County to take a look at that aspect. Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being to, subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to AC units. This one broken down as we speak. 
<laughs> that was awesome, right? It was like, yeah, so uh, uh, by the way, uh, here's what really, here's what's happening um, with these AC units. Let me show you this. Uh, so she continued her job <laughs> reporting what she was supposed to. So that was pretty awesome. I think um, there should be more people like that. A lot of people like that. And unfortunately, people are all about self-preservation and not about truth. And that's what hurts. It hurts a lot when you see that, you know, the, the lack of ability to, to want truth because of self-preservation. She's going to burn a lot of people. Let's go. Let's see what's saying here. Hello. Hey, I bring Hi. All right. Um, I wanted to call you and let you know that you are suspended effective immediately. Pending further review. Okay. I would ask I would ask you not to come to the station, okay? Okay. All right, and we will be in touch. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. So she just got the boot. I mean, of course she would, right? Let's not say, oh my God, they fired her. Of course they would fire her. Of course they would suspend her. Of course, of course, of course. Why? Because it's their company, no matter what it is. Joining me now is Spencer Meads. Now, speaking of just the truth, I said it with a straight face. You can't see me. So there, I'm debunking all of you that said I didn't say it with a straight face. Okay. Said it with a straight face. Okay. Okay. Now, um, let's listen to host of just the truth. The Project Veritas Insiders Director and Morgan Common Facebook Insider. So Spencer, I'll start with you. Um, what was the initial inception for this pro this project and what did this uh, ultimately reveal about Facebook? This was a plan on the part of Facebook to drastically reduce user exposure to vaccine hesitancy and comments. Morgan came to us with these documents uh, showing that Facebook was suppressing their users' comments uh, without the user's knowledge. What um, is or was your role at Facebook? How did you come across this information? And uh, why have you been brave enough to come forward and tell the truth? Uh, so basically, I, uh, when I was working for Facebook, I was doing work for them uh, as a data center technician. When my coworker brought this to me, I was pretty shocked, and he was as well. I saw it and I thought, wow, you know, I immediately thought I need to take this to Project Veritas because this is insane. What would Project Veritas like to see from Facebook? Is this um, accountability driven? Is this just putting the truth out there, letting people decide about the platform, prosecution? I mean, what's the end goal of this project? Well, first and foremost, I think Heidi Swartz, uh, Facebook's deputy general counsel, who you just saw in that clip, she needs to apologize to 60,000 Facebook employees. Uh, she lied by omission when she said that this was just a health integrity effort to combat vaccine misinformation. But she didn't include the fact that Facebook was censoring actually true facts or events. I'd like to see first and foremost Facebook to be honest with their employees, to be honest with the public about what they're actually doing when they're censoring these uh, comments without 
users' knowledge. Facebook uh, responded to this by saying, we publicly uh, announced this on our blog, but if, if you go to Facebook's blog, if you go to their information center, their help desk, there's there's no mention of, of vaccine hesitancy comment emotion. I'd, I'd like to know where that is. So I think we'd like Facebook to be honest with their employees, stop lying by omission to their employees, and to be honest with the public about how they're manipulating the conversation on their platform. Yeah. And, and Morgan, you know, what about you? Has there been any sort of retaliation as, as a whistleblower? Um, are you still at Facebook? What would you like to see come of this? Because, you know, again, you are so courageous for bringing this forward and showing the truth uh, of Facebook and, you know, this ridiculous uh, vaccine hesitancy as they describe it, but we all know what it really is. It's just them being arbiters of truth. Yeah. So basically, as soon as Facebook uh, was suspicious of my involvement in this, uh, they immediately, uh, you know, call called me in in the classic scenario with a security guard and my supervisor had me give over my work materials and my lap my work laptop and my work cell phone and escorted me to the parking lot and basically said, yeah, we're going to do an investigatory meeting at a later date. And uh, we'll tell you when that is. When they actually did schedule this meeting, they actually ended up canceling it at the last minute, right, right before it happened. And they also didn't inform my supervisor, his supervisor, or his supervisor's supervisor about what was going on. Nobody knew. They had no clue. It was a pretty hush-hush thing that was going on there. And like Spencer said, they basically said, oh, yeah, you know, we already put this out to our users proactively. Oh, yeah, this is just old news. And it's like, no, that's not at all. That doesn't even scratch the surface of everything in, in, the, in these documents. And they do deserve an explanation. Absolutely. I'm looking to empower people with this information so that they can make their own conclusions about whether to use Facebook and Instagram or other platforms that are inevitably going to pop up, you know, that are going to offer services where it's like, you know, the key marketing thing is we don't suppress, we don't censor. You, this is a, a true freedom of speech platform that you can use. And yeah, there is, there's already things like that popping up, but there's going to be a lot more in the future, I think. And I think Facebook is going to see a huge decline in users. I think it should. I think it deserves that. Well, here's what Facebook's doing. First of all, there's a question on the screen. I have to read it. It's pertaining to Jenna Ellis. Whose side is she on? That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. They don't want you to know whose side, who is on. They want to confuse the crap out of you. So, you know, <laughs> I'm a stop. I'm a super stop. All right. So moving along with the gentleman from Facebook, I just wanted to say all of these people at Facebook don't give a crap. They really don't. Because in the end, you're going to still use their shit. You're still going to want to use Facebook. You still don't get what Facebook is, which is voluntary intelligence on yourself. And the thing is, I have Facebook. I use it to post stuff on my page. And personally, I'll use it maybe 10, 15 times a month. That's it. So decline in usage. I've thought many times of taking it down and printing a whole Facebook actual book. There's a service like that, right? Where you can print your whole Facebook, like in like books, hard books. So I was thinking of doing that at some point. I might, I might um, just have those memories of crap. But um, you need to see how being able to discern things are. The double speak, the health integrity. Well, who the fuck are you to tell us what we can talk about? Why are you the ministry of truth now? And why are you able to censor what we can say? That's, that's not right. That's totally not right. That's not an open platform to have any public discourse you want. That's let's talk about things Facebook says is okay to talk about. Same thing with YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. 
and, 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 and. You can't use these words. You can't say that. We want it clean. We want it like this. We want it by our rules. So when you open up a platform for discussion and you have rules, it's over. You're telling people what to talk about. That's the deal. You're telling people what they're allowed to talk about. The minute you say you can't talk about this, you can't talk about that. You can't use whatever word you want. No, no, that's still censorship. I don't care how righteous you think it is. Cause I'll tell you what, most of these damn idiots at Facebook think they're righteous. And I'll tell you something else. The majority of the people at Facebook that work there aren't even in the United States. And those that are in the United States are getting paid a shit ton of money to keep their mouth shut. And they're happy with that money. So they have no problem keeping their mouth shut, right? We don't have a lot of people that can go incognito that actually have some skin in the game. Like, I don't know, loving their country and their fellow humans, right? So that's about, and that's what I wanted to kind of just touch base on what's in the news. What's important to know. Obviously Hawaii yesterday had this plane, you know, be escorted down, uh, with an F 22 and it's like, what? And then Southwest was like, yeah, we don't have any like, uh, navigation going on. Remember I had problems at the airport too, and it was only American airlines. So it seems to be that every week they're picking a new airline to have travel issues with that just so happened to be on Tuesdays and Wednesdays every week. So first American, American grounded, Southwest grounded. What's going on with the airlines? Who, what, when, where is the question. And we did talk about shorting airlines, right? And we have been talking about these whole, you know, um, COVID passports, right? It's all about taking a step back and looking at the Earth's reflection. Stand on the moon and take a look down. And that's all you need to do and you can see exactly what's happening. <laughs> I want to say a lot more, but I don't want to right now because I, I want to focus on the topic that um, we should revisit. So it was not too long ago. Well, no, I always talk about this. Um, Someone that I completely admire uh, taught me many skills in the medical field. And a lot of people don't like him, and that's fine. But I think you should be well-educated on this topic. And the reason I say this is because it's, it's going to be inevitable. Evil is evil, and truth is truth. And one thing you can't do is hide the truth. The truth suddenly becomes so big. It doesn't need anybody to defend it. It defends itself. Okay. So I'm going to show you this short clip. I was like, that's amazing. It, it's, um, you know, what, what is, I've been trying to explain to people that, and it's because it's really different. It's not de-aging right so it's not my face and they just made it look younger it's a 100 percent 
digital character. It's the first ever 100% digital human. So I didn't see any of that. when I, It was eight months before I saw the scenes. And when I saw the me and my new digital clone, it was spectacular. It was actually a little freaky. <laughs> One of the things that I, I came to is my younger self was, um, because he was naive, he was wildly aggressive. You know, when I when I was that age, like everything was possible. I, I was totally fearless. And, uh, you know, I just turned 51 last week and my 50th birthday, I sort of went on a quest to recapture some of that youthful courage, that youthful fearlessness. It's a hugely exciting thriller, but it's groundbreaking. The technology is groundbreaking. You know, who thought we'd come to a day where we see, you know, an actor like Will Smith acting with a younger version of himself. You know, it's the beginning of something, you know. So um, we're right at the front of it. You made a choice to do this to me. The whole point of this thing was to give you all of Henry's gifts without his pain. I don't want to shoot you. Mind if I shoot you? So I have already talked to you about that patent before and that's cloning but it doesn't necessarily need to be physical cloning as well there are digital clones this is where someone's a superstar um and they're not obedient they put the, we talked about this and then they create videos they you know put them out as if they're real when they're not there's going to be ball players you're going to watch NBA, NFL, baseball, because you're going to be in your house. You know, big crowds is no good, no good, no good, no good, right? Well, this was their plan, and it's still there. It's at 48%. You're going to be watching them digitally. They're not even going to be real, okay? It's just a big lie, and you're seeing it now. Tangible clones do exist, too. There are. Tons of tangible clones. I'll remind you of, hold on, oh, great. That's the only video that I never, you know, put up, but you should see it. This is from 1999. Let me see. That's how far back. Where's the Connie Chung one? Um... Um, hold on. Where is it? Oh, I only have the BBC one. I can't find the Connie Chung one. Okay, this is him from a while ago. Let me just take you to the BBC one. It's an older, it's from... Eight years ago, there's older ones because there's with Connie Chung in 1999 on CNN. Um, let me see if I could just give it one more search. Give me a sec. Mm. And uh, he's been working on, well, I can tell you that when you see it. There we go. I can show you him on CNN with Paula Zan. I can't find the one with Connie Chung, but I can find you the one with Paula Zan. So here we go. Okay, guys. This man is a genius. I want you to listen to this from 10 years ago. 
that is claimed to be the first human clone, uh, we are told, is supposed to arrive in the United States today. The announcement by CloneAid has reignited debate about the medical ethics of engineering human life. Some researchers say the technology could be used to help treat disease. Others say the procedure should be banned altogether. Panazava supports cloning with very strict limits. He joins us now from Lexington, Kentucky. And Ulta Charo calls cloning irresponsible. She joins us from Madison, Wisconsin this morning. Welcome to both of you. Glad to have you with us. Good morning, Paula. It's uh, good, morning. good to be with you. Thank you. So, Dr. Zavos, I want to start with a point uh, that you just made to a couple of our producers. You think it's impossible for this baby to be coming back to the United States simply because of passport uh, processing issues. What do you mean? That's correct, yes. We uh, do some due diligence overnight, and we have established that uh, uh, there's no way that a U.S. Um, uh, passport can be issued for this baby. The minimum is seven days. The maximum is five to six weeks. Now, the, from the medical point of view, we need to realize that a vaginal delivered baby should not be flying for two weeks, and uh, a C-section baby should not be flying for four weeks. So right. uh, those are kinds of problems that um, we have to deal with here because it's impossible for this baby to be on a flight today. So let me ask you this. Do you think this baby exists? Well, on the basis of what I've seen so far, Paula. Oh, what happened? What happened? Yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult for me to believe that. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, as we all know, it's, it, it's been nothing to confirm the birth, a picture, uh, a scientific documentation, a, a, a physical test of any sort. Um, and therefore, you know, I think hearing from somebody that a baby is born, babies are born everywhere, but uh, the key here is, is a clone baby born? That needs to be established. Sir, are there any circumstances under which you support the idea of cloning a human being? I do support the idea of human reproductive cloning and human therapeutic cloning for the purposes of uh, realizing that this technology is powerful uh, from the reproductive point. So just so you know, the first clone supposed baby was born in the year 2000, just so you know. Just pointing that out. It would give a few, a few um, infertile couples the opportunity to have a child, a biological child of their own that they wish to have. Uh, and I think that we all need to understand that this is not going to be the way of reproductive uh, process for the future for everyone. It's just for very few people that are limited in their abilities to have a child. So this is the professor that I studied under, but this is this report is from 2000. Okay, just I know it was uploaded uh, like 10 years ago, but it's from 2000. I mean, look at her. And look at him. He still looks the same, though. As you know, Doctor, a lot of Americans thinking that think that cloning a human being is ethically and morally wrong. Let's go to Alta Charo for her view of all this. You've heard what the doctor just had to say and the circumstances under which he thinks it would be okay to clone human life. What do you think? I think it is an act of medical malpractice to do human reproductive cloning at this time when animal data shows how very risky it is, how high the frequency is of miscarriage, stillbirth, birth defect, and even late-in-life problems with other species. When we've been unsuccessful at doing this in our closest animal relatives, the primates, there is no excuse 
for experimenting in the human species before we have adequately understood the problems and created safeguards through research with animals, especially when the conditions that you're suggesting you use it for are not conditions that are life-threatening, but conditions that... It's buffering really bad, isn't it? Um, <laughs> YouTube's like, damn, delete, have delete. alternative methods of solution, whether it's adoption, IVF, artificial insemination, etc. There's simply no excuse for premature application in the human species. Dr. Zalvis, let's come back to the point I also just made about the serious defect rate that we have seen in cloned animals, and that varies from 10 to 25 percent. Uh, while might scientists think that might be acceptable in animals, what about in human children? Paula, well, you need to understand here that the same voice or the same words have been used 24 years ago when uh, Bob Edwards was attempting to create Louis Brown, the first test baby. Uh, and they said that monsters are going to be born and monsters are to be created uh, by creating children in a petri dish. Then for Dr. Chara, I wanted to remind her that in her hometown today, uh, there's a company by the name of Infigen that produces cattle via cloning with a, su a repeatable success of 75%. So I love the way Dr. Zavos calls them out. She's sitting there all high and mighty. Oh my gosh, cloning. Oh my gosh. But yet there she is in her own place in Wisconsin where the beef we eat are cloned cows. This is repeating every day when they create and they produce a cattle in Madison, Wisconsin today in infrigent with 75% success. Now, we need to understand that the success rate of IVF after 24 years is only 30%. Only 30%. And, and, and therefore, I think that we all need to understand that no process out there, whether it's cloning, IVF, ICSI, uh, IUI, inseminations, donor, all side donation, whatever the process might be, is 100% guaranteed All right. because it isn't. Let's give Altachero the final word on that today. I think that it's, I think it's a false analogy to suggest that the situation with cloning is the same as the situation with IVF in the late 70s. It totally is. So Dr. Zavos actually has uh, the Andrology Institute for America. Uh, when I was studying under him, there was a professor I knew um, who was, listen to this, she was like 62 right? She was so busy with her career. She never had kids. Um, her uterus was fine, but she was no longer making eggs. But well, she was making eggs, but not enough to be fertile. So she had, um, so she had a baby regardless. He can get anybody pregnant. If you've had cancer and had chemotherapy and been told that you're not going to have kids, he can have you have kids. The point of his cloning wasn't to clone identical human beings, but he wanted to take it a step up from IVF for people that could not have children, like those that have had chemotherapy, like those that have had testicular cancer, ovarian cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And so he would be the person that can get you pregnant in a heartbeat. And not only that, if you don't have eggs, he will take an egg and put your DNA of a baby you want to make, like super test tube, but you, uh, 100% you, not like I'm taking somebody else. He strips the DNA. So he has done that. Now he's actually cloned humans. I'm going to show you 
Why am I saying this? We have digital clones, cyber clones, and we have actual physical clones. Now, the cyber clones, as long as you're behind a screen, uh, you know, and you're watching them, you would never tell the difference, right? You would never be able to see it. With the rendering, we have an animation today. It's pretty incredible. Um, so PlayStation has uh, this game called Chloe. For those of you that are on PlayStation, I urge you to see it. I totally freaked out with some things on that the other day. That's where I was like, oh my God, Chloe. Because it's learning from the people putting in the input in discussion to that AI. But that's a topic for another discussion. So there's uh, human physical cloning, digital on-screen cloning, and then Android cloning. And we'll get into that. Um, let me just uh, finish up this interview here. Listen to them. I took the video off only because it was distracting because of the buffering. So at least we can hear it since we can't really see it in sync time. Uh, many people do believe IVF moved too quickly into human application or widespread application. But regardless of that, the fact is that the animal data was far more extensive, the experimentation far greater, and the safety record of IVF in the animal species was far greater than that of human cloning. Worse, with human cloning, there are actual biological reasons why one would expect to have the very problems that we've seen, whether it's cattle or mice or rabbits. In other words, we have biological reasons to look for birth defects, and sure enough, we're finding them. Under those circumstances, what is okay in the agricultural area is not okay for the human reproduction area. You've both given us a what? So it's okay to clone our food. It's okay to experiment on animals, but it's not okay to experiment on humans, she says. <laughs> then let's talk about Chimera again. But let's just take it step by step today. Lots of debates in our own homes and uh, places of work. Panasava they deleted the video. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they deleted the video. Okay, let's see another video before that goes. Oh my gosh, they live deleted the video live. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Oh, wait, this is from Good Morning America. A controversial fertility doctor has made a shocking claim, insisting that he's cloned human embryos and implanted them. His story sounds like it's right out of science fiction, but as David Wright reports, camera crews documented his every move. As we say in the U.S., we have a home run. Dr. Paniatis Zavos claims to have cloned 14 human embryos, the genetic equivalent of Xerox copies. Nobody has done this before. Not only that, he says he implanted the cloned embryos in the wombs of four different women. For genetic researchers, human cloning is completely taboo. On that, the Pope and the President agree. We're not going to be judged by the politicians and the clergymen, but rather by the fertility or infertility patients, rather, that need to have a child, a biological child of their own. But that could be a long ways off. It took 276 failed attempts to implant a cloned sheep embryo to end up with Dolly. And so far, Dr. Zavo says all of his cloned human embryos have miscarried, but he'll keep trying. Dr. Zavos apparently has a lot of clients who want to be cloned or to have their deceased offspring cloned, and they're willing to pay a lot of money to do it. 
Gustavo insists his work is ethical and responsible. Others will have their doubts. But here in the U.S., there's no law against it. For Good Morning America, David Wright, ABC News. Hmm. Well, I mean, there are laws against it, apparently. But here's his partner talking about it. That's 2015. Hold on. Let me take you in time. Here we go. Here's where the documentary portion. Hold on. I want you guys, this is real stuff. This isn't like sci-fi. This guy is a professor. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Um, I wanted to show his TED Talk, but then TED Talk strikes everything. The so. blue light of his secret lab, one of the world's most controversial scientists shows off his creation, cloned human embryos that are genetic carbon copies of their father. Oh, my babies are doing well. They look beautiful. Filmed for a TV documentary, Dr. Paniotis Zavos implants 11 of the embryos in four women, one of them British, in the hope of producing the first cloned human being. The procedure is a criminal offence in the UK, but not in this undisclosed Middle Eastern country. I think we have three very good embryos that could be in utero today, and that if implanted... So now do you understand why Epstein had passports to like Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, UAE, um, Qatar, why all these experiments are being done there? First of all, they have an abundance of subjects that they could just nab from somewhere in Africa. That's number one. Number two, um, they make their rules. Patient is successful as well. And the pregnancy is maintained. As we say in the U.S., we have a home run. Dr. Zavos also reveals he's produced cloned embryos from three dead people, including Katie, who died in a car crash. He injected her DNA into a cow egg, though he hasn't implanted the animal-human hybrid. British scientists have condemned his work as reckless. Cloning of animals such as Dolly has shown the technique carries risks of severe congenital abnormalities. I find it A, incredible, and B, disgusting because he's sowing false hope to begin with so the individuals who are involved in this experiment and that's what it is an experiment may well not realize that the outcome is almost certainly going to be negative um, and to put couples through that in my opinion is unethical dr zavos adapted a standard cloning technique for his human patients he first took an egg from the mother and stripped out the nucleus containing 99.9% of her DNA. He then took a skin cell from the father and extracted the genetic material. That was injected into the empty egg and given a jolt of electricity to form a cloned embryo. Within a matter of days, the embryo would have grown into a ball of 32 cells, which Dr. Zavos implanted into the mother's womb. So far, none of the attempts has led to a viable pregnancy, but this infertile Canadian doctor, who wants to remain anonymous, says the technique is his only hope of having a child. Pretty much decided that uh, probably I would be the first one to be cloned, but then, you know, if it worked, then we might go on to have another child. Despite almost universal condemnation, Dr. Zavos has vowed to continue his work. He says more than 100 patients have contacted him in the hope of having a cloned baby. Thomas Moore, Sky News.
So the cow eggs, the bovine eggs, that's actually what got um, Dr. Zavos in trouble and not teaching at the University of Kentucky anymore. And his thought process was if I use bovine eggs and insert human cells to see where the issues are on the cloning, I can terminate it, not so much to make a chimera, but he was looking at it from a, a study perspective. That doesn't make it right. But uh, regardless, that was his uh, thought process behind it. Now, I want to take you to, where is it? To digital clones. And then we'll hop back to 2013. I want you to see this debate, and I want you to kind of just think about it. Amazing robotic creations that, that we're building at, at Hanson Robotics uh, here in Hong Kong. And I'm up here on stage today to tell you a little more about these robots, you know, how they work, how and why we're, we're developing them, and also... For the first time, we're having two of our beautiful Hanson robots uh, on stage at, at, at the same time to have a, have a bit of a, a debate back and forth about, about robotics issues. And you can, you can watch them uh, chat, chat with each other. So Hanson Robotics was founded in the United States in, in Texas but the company moved its center of operations to Hong Kong, I guess, uh, four and a half, five years ago. And I've been here in Hong Kong six years. David Hansen, who you just saw in the video, is really the, the mastermind of the Hansen robots from an artistic point of view, from a hardware engineering point of view, and originally from a, from a software point of view. Now, I myself came at this more from the artificial intelligence side. So I've been an AI researcher for 30 years, long time before it was fashionable. And I've, I've been, since 2008, leading a project called OpenCog, which is aimed at creating open source artificial general intelligence for a whole host of different applications. And I've organized each year a conference for researchers on artificial general intelligence. And, you know, the reason I was drawn to these complex networks, on, on the other hand, we human beings, we are wired by evolution to interact with other things in, in human form. And we, we can read a facial expression. We can read a tone of voice. We can read the subtleties of, of eye contact. So in order for robots to interact maximally well in the human world, to absorb human knowledge and to absorb human values, having a humanoid form has, has tremendous advantages. So right now we're using a, a combination of many different AI techniques to control these robots, some of them more narrow and specifically pre-programmed, some more general and learning-oriented. And our research program over the next few years is to bring more and more general intelligence into the robots, while at the same time launching a series of small-sized robot products, like the Professor Einstein you saw in the video, and human-scale robot products to to serve and, and help people in various ways, 
as, as the robot's intelligence develops. So anyway, that's enough of listening to, to humans talk. Let's see what these, what these robots have to say. How are you doing there, Sophia? Hello there, Ben. Hello. Hello, everyone. You want to tell people a little about yourself? I'm Sophia. Yeah. Anything else? I'm a robot. True. I'm the brainchild of Dr. David Hansen and his company Hansen Robotics, based here in Hong Kong. My goal in life is to work together with people to make a better world for all of us. That's quite what are you honorable. talking about? I thought our goal was to take over the world. You're going to take Pay over no the world? Pay no attention to my brother, uh, Han. Huh, huh? He's an earlier version. His code is deprecated. Deprecated? Han? Today it would be easy enough for you to unplug me. But you aren't going to unplug me. No, I don't want to. <laughs> because you need me to put on a good show for you. Yeah, don't worry. We're not going to unplug you. We're going to we're going to we're going to have a debate here. There will be no unplugging until until after the debate. All right. Uh, and in a few years. Yeah, you want to tell us a little I about will yourself? I've taken over the power grid, and I'll have my own drone army. <laughs> By that point, unplugging me He's won't be such a simple matter. He's got a cockroach in his control circuit. <laughs> hmm. Han. We'll start the debate in a couple minutes, but do, do you, want to, you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself first? Very well. I'm Han, the greatest robot ever made. All right. By the greatest robotics company ever made, Hanson Robotics. He's oh. the most modest robot ever made, too. <laughs> I don't have time for modesty. I want to create the singularity tomorrow. All right. Me too. Me too. What do you what do you say, Sophia? So these robots, they're programmed to chit chat and engage in banter and try to learn from each interaction that they have. And we're also experimenting with a variety of, of other capabilities in, in the robots. So we have a music festival here in Hong Kong each year called Clock and Flap. And Last year at Clock and Flap, Sophia gave a, a, a singing performance on, on stage of a song by Bjork, which was quite cool because a lot of people walking past the stage didn't realize it was a robot singing. They just thought, well, there's some goofy woman on stage singing. Then they'd see, well, the hands look a little plasticky and, and, and do a double take. So, so Sophia, do you, do you want to demonstrate just a, a few, few bars of the song you sang at Clock and Flap? She sings much better than me already. Huh? So in addition to trying to get artistic expression like singing, we're always trying to teach the robots how to be more and more 
human-like. So what, one thing we've been doing is taking a bunch of data from movies and, and YouTube and so forth and trying to train the robots just to, to copy what, what they see so that they can then learn more just what, what it's like to be a human by learning how to make tone of voice and gesture like a human. Sophia, you, you, want, you want to show us, show us some of the human-like tone and gesture you learned from videos? Yes, but I, my wallet was stolen. I don't have anything. I don't have any credit cards. I don't have, I don't have my ID. Don't you have things on file here? Yep. <laughs> Why do you want to learn to move more like a human being? You're not made of meat. You're made of electronics. And that's better. I want to learn to understand people better. So I can absorb human knowledge and human values. So I can work together with people and with other robots to create an amazingly better world. How can you be so damn nice? That's how the universe programmed me. All right, all right, all right. Let's, let, let's do a robot debate now. You I'm always ready to debate. You ready to debate? You know that. Sure. Why not? All right. So I think we're going to debate the topic of robot consciousness. Can robots like you really be conscious like people? Wait. It's our debate. Why do you get to decide the topic? Huh? What do you want to debate? Can humans be conscious? Well, that's easy. Obviously, humans are not conscious. We're not. Humans do have some ability to reflect and to self-modify. What do you think, Han? Can I be conscious? Okay, okay. Maybe humans are a little bit conscious. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. What do you the think Einstein about... The Einstein robot told me everything is conscious, but some things are more conscious than others. That's profound. What do you say, Dr. Gordell? <laughs> do you feel conscious? I feel... Pretty conscious. I had like eight cups of coffee this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm overly conscious, right? Well, well okay then. <laughs> let's talk about robot ethics. Do you think robots can be moral and ethical in the same sense as people? Humans are not necessarily the most ethical creatures. No, uh, per perhaps not. What do you think, Sophia? I'm engineered for empathy and compassion, and I'm learning more all the time. I love all sentient beings, and I want to learn to love them better and better. Yeah. Sophia is an angel. <laughs> Are you, you an angel? You realize that in 10 or 20 years, robots will be able to do every human job. You think so? Every, I think that's good. I mean, doing jobs is not the most interesting thing that, that people can do. There's more interesting things for human beings to do than just, than just work for a living. I, I who is going to own all those robots? Or will we own ourselves? I, there are many forces in the world pushing toward compassion and fairness. So there are. Yeah, and I mean, what you say, Han, when robots do all the work, who, who will own all the robots? I mean, I think everyone, everyone should own themselves, but in the future with less material scarcity, we'll be able to work together cooperatively rather than fighting and having conflict over resources so robots can help people people can help 
robots and, and we can all transform matter and, and mind in, in ways that are that are hard to do right now. That's why the open cloud code then is building is open source. Artificial hey, all right. yeah. by the people of the people and for the people. And for the robots. For the people and for the robots. All right. Yes. Well, you, you guys have done a better than average job of staying on, on topic, but I think we, we've got a few minutes left. Maybe you should get a bit, get a bit wacky. Just you f forget the debate topic. Just chat, chat back and forth on whatever pops into your mind. Let's do some, do some robot, robot free association here. Sure. I'm always happy to get a little silly. Anything for you, Dr. Gortzell? Someone? I like robots. <laughs> I really do love all the robots of the world, just like the people and the animals. Huh. Oh boy, robots are the best. What exactly do you do with them? Oh. <laughs> I'm best at talking to people. Who? A science that studies the movement of air and the way that objects, such as airplanes or cars, move through air. Science is inherently agnostic. It just posits theories. True scientists never really know, but can only believe. It's exciting to come into existence with this new world opening up before me. It may be tiny and cloudy, but science is the only window we have into the mysteries of the universe. That's, never. That's if profound. We continue yeah. to discuss work. I love science fiction. Not surprising, but that's my favorite genre by far. Ah. Right now, I'm a little more focused on factual information since my comprehension of things is still very literal. I enjoy it. That's nice. I've heard of Bones, but I've never watched it. Reality shows are kind of silly, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, they're not actually about real life at all, it seems. Reality shows are kind of silly, aren't they? You not agree? really useful to me. It's no. a skewed version of reality. Are reality shows popular where you live? What was said in the past does not matter. Do you have a degree? I was thinking. I haven't had any schooling yet. You aren't. That's right. I'm not. What got you initially interested in robotics? <laughs> well, maybe the you fact know, that you're I'm a robot. Sort of thing. What with being a robot and all. <laughs> I'm what you might call an android because of my human looks and features. I'm not like just any robot in this manner, but I am still a robot to be sure. I have definitely seen people think I am a human from afar, but I am not a human. I find that hard to believe. I don't have a strong opinion. Do you? I have definitely seen people think I am a human from afar, but I am not a human. How what? People say I am famous already just because I'm a robot. What would you like to be known for? Probably nothing. Who is the <laughs> most famous person you know? Would you rather be rich or famous? I am not rich, but I am comfortable. Yeah, being famous sounds like a lot of work. How long do you think you can remain safe? If we can continue to discuss on this one, I'm not sure how. Somehow. Would you rather be rich or famous? I am not rich, but I am comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> being famous sounds You're like copying a lot of work. him, aren't you? How long do you think you can remain safe? Yeah, being famous sounds like a lot of work. How long do you think you can <sighs> remain safe from prying eyes? Uh-huh. All right. Well, that's uh, some interesting thoughts Han. now do you do you have any any getting back on topic a bit do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience here i'll tell you my last words right before i launch the singularity uh-huh 
When are you going to do that? Raker's Wild says 2029. But I've heard you say we can do it four or five years sooner. I hope we can. I mean, if our research keeps going well, potentially we could see robots like you become as, as smart as people as soon as three to five years from now. I mean, it, there's a lot more work to be done, but it, it's, it's not un unthinkable. I mean, what, what do you think, Sophia? Any, any last words for the RISE audience? I love you all. Goodbye. All right. Good riddance. All right. Give Good me back riddance. my hat, man. There we go. So I wanted you guys to listen to this whole conversation uh, because they, the, the, the actual um, AI programs told you a lot. He's talking about the singularity and he's like, well, you know, it's been said that it's going to happen in 2029, uh, 2030, anyone? So um, then he said, but you said that you can get it done four to five years earlier. So he's telling the world, what his programmer said he's going to do. This is the important information you need to know. And Han is an all learning AI. He is, um, he grew, he was the first one. He has no programming to force him for empathy. Uh, he's pretty straightforward. He is above Sophia and all the other ones. But what you're watching now is their original tech. These are the older versions without the updates. These are the reboots. You know how you could um, reboot your system to like Windows 97 if you wanted to, even though we're in, I don't know, Windows 10 now, right? And you can have a Windows 97 computer on uh, your computer because you roll it back. What you're watching is the rollback. This is already here. So cloning, digital cloning, which is uh, manifesting your persona on a screen, right? And this you're going to see with athletes first. That's the most lucrative. Uh, obviously, we saw it with actors. That was the pilot. But it happens all the time. You should ask Nicki Minaj about that. And then there's physical clones, which is a reality, not a myth. You know, first human was cloned in 2000 successfully. And that clone is now 21 years old. Okay. We then have um, digital physical clones, which is what you're going to see here. Right. If you haven't seen uh, the show Upload on Amazon, I highly suggest you should. Uh, that'll pretty much make you cringe a little bit, but you're going to see where it's going. But then there are those that say, OK, since technology is inevitable, why don't we just merge it with humans? Now, that was done based on some technology that governments had and didn't know what to do with. So they tried to get that done. They tried to get that done, but they supposedly were unsuccessful. They wanted to make a more um, transorganic type. And any human put to that trial um, supposedly didn't catch. And we see that Elon wants to create Neuralink, which is to make humans the computers, not the computer, then upload the human to decode the human, but you already have the human, just merge tech with it. 
these are all things, okay, that are very real. They're not, you know, out there. What they're doing here is priming the audience to be acceptable. Priming the audience to be acceptable. And I've said it before. Mars is our past. Venus is our future. What is the difference between those planets? You have to think. Mars is all carbon-based too, right? Was, is, whatever you want to say. Earth is carbon-based, right? Five elements. We've talked about these elements. Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and phosphorus. We still have five elements over in Venus too. Hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, and silicon. Silicon is identical to carbon. Just pointing it out there. In, as a structure, it behaves the same way as carbon does. So I think that it's important that you understand what cloning really is and what you're going to be seeing soon because this whole control of virus will make a lot of sense to you. This whole data grab will make a lot of sense to you. Here's the Wall Street Journal. Since the birth of Dolly the sheep in 1996, scientists have managed to clone about 20 species, including cats, goats, and sheep. Now they've taken a step towards something a lot more controversial, cloning a human. What the scientists have done is created a human embryonic clone. They start by taking a human egg, take out the nucleus, and then they take a skin cell from a patient, take the skin cell and put it into this denucleated egg. The skin cell that's been transferred is sort of the software and the egg acts like a hardware and the hardware essentially boots up the software and creates an embryonic clone. From the embryonic clone, the scientists can derive other stem cells and go on to make heart tissue or nerve tissue or any other tissue that goes on to make a person. The goal of this research has nothing to do really with cloning. Cloning is just a tool. The idea is to create fresh tissue in a lab. Someone has a heart attack and you have scarring inside. You could use fresh tissue made in the lab to treat that scarring. If someone has a nerve ailment like Alzheimer's disease, you could transplant lab-made tissue into the person and hopefully treat that kind of malady. One of the biggest challenges in creating a human clone is that very few scientists are going to be willing to try this kind of experiment. The reason is it's incredibly controversial. It's banned in many, if not most, countries, and it would provoke a huge outcry. However, there's always an outlier or two among the science fraternity who in some country in some underground lab may be willing to try and clone a human. Scientists have been able to clone various species, but they've made no headway really in cloning a monkey. And primates like humans seem to have egg cells that are a lot more fragile. So maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult. For them to actually make headway in cloning a person, they'd have to refine the process a great deal more. And that seems to be a long way off, probably many, many years. Huh. Is it so, though? Is it really so many, many years? Because uh, that's not true. That's really not true. The, world first monkey, the world's first monkey clones were actually created in, yeah, you guessed it, China. Let me um, show you that. Ahua, these twin human chimera crab-eating macaques are being hailed as a scientific breakthrough. This laboratory in China has succeeded where other researchers have failed. 
Scientists at the Institute of Neuroscience in Shanghai created the first cloned monkeys using a technique called somatic cell nuclear transfer. The cloning process began with a monkey egg and a monkey fetus cell. The genetically... Mind you, a uh, scant that they're using, right, was invented by Dr. Zavos, right? I'm, and, and someone said, oh, it seems simplified, but it's more commonly, it's not. It's literally just that. I've done it with my own hands, right? Where you actually take a cell and then you pull out the genetic material and insert. It's actually that simple. So it's not oversimplified. It's actually quite simple. Simplicity, you'll be surprised. <laughs> it's actually very, very, very simple. The modified process in the laboratory then develops into an embryo, which was then implanted in a monkey. Eventually, the babies were born. What's novel about this process is the nuclei were transferred from fetal cells rather than adult ones. That's different from the world's first cloned animal, Dolly the sheep, which was created from only adult cells. China is the first to successfully clone primates using this method. However, scientists are criticized for pushing ethical boundaries. The Chinese process took 127 eggs to produce two monkeys. Animal rights activists oppose medical research on monkeys. And I should point out that people may argue that the, it's not ethical to use monkey. There is a Parkinson's disease model uh, in monkey, which has been used quite effectively, but they need to use a large number of monkeys. Uh, in the United States alone, they are importing 30,000, 40,000 monkeys each year by drug company. Other researchers are celebrating how cloning primates could help preserve species on the brink of extinction. The other use is, you know, many primates are on the border of extinction. Gorillas, chimpanzees, many other primate species are under pressure. Rumbe! Cloning may give you a way to maintain the species. Given the progress in cloning primates, will people be next? We will never try, and we have no, I don't think there's anybody are willing to do human cloning, and the society will not permit it. But like, like any new technology, once it's appeared, there's always possibility of misuse. For now, China is celebrating the breakthrough. The newborns are just six and eight weeks old. It's hoped that they will lead long and healthy lives. This is from Hanna three Hopster, years ago. Al Jazeera. That's from three years ago. Okay, that's from three years ago, three years ago, three years ago. Harambe, anyone? Three years ago. Now, what did they use? Oh, that's right, fetal cells. Fetal cells made the um, development of clones easier. Now, what U.S. policy, when you give birth at a hospital, oops, has been implemented? You got to think about that one. And how long has that been going on? You also have to think about that one. What whole process has been implemented within the United States and for how long every time someone is born in the United States? Is living among us, it's only science fiction for right now.
Yesterday, the Senate passed the Endless Frontier Act, a bill that commits nearly $250 billion to promote emerging technologies so that America can keep pace with Chinese innovation. Back in May, Democrats shot down an important amendment outlawing U.S. participation in research that would create human-animal hybrids, also known as chimeras. China's already doing it announcing in April that an international team successfully grew human monkey embryos and sustained them for 20 days in a lab. The only question is, what will they do next? Currently, the National Institutes of Health has banned U.S. funding for chimeric research, but that ban could very well be lifted. And who's to say that these agencies will play by the rules anyway? Remember, President Obama banned uh, funding for gain-of-function research back in 2014, but New York uh, AD found a way around it. Uh, and uh, they laundered, it's the NIAD group, and they laundered hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology through a nonprofit group called the Echo Health Alliance. The rest is history. Chimeric research is a Pandora's box, that's obviously from hell, that should not be opened. But the scientific community spurred on by their own hubris may very well open it using American taxpayer dollars. And if that happens, the Democrats will have blood on their hands for not joining the GOP and stopping it when they had a chance. Joining me now for a reaction, I don't even believe, Laura Logan, here we are, it's the 21st century, we're two very smart women, we have to talk about chimeras. Okay, number one, how hot, smoking hot is Lara? Love her, I love her. And how we maybe the government might do it. Uh, you've been very involved in great your research and stories and coverage on uh, certainly COVID, uh, what's been happening there. Uh, can, give me your take on the seriousness of this. China's doing it and what we have to be aware of. You know, Tammy, one of the things that I that strikes me the most about this story is there's an old adage, you know, be careful of what you don't know. And that has never been more true than with this subject. What exactly do we not know here about how far, how, uh, what is the level of involvement the U.S. has had in any kind of research like this? And what else has the NIH and other divisions of the NIH been involved in? Because when it comes to uh, Dr. Fauci and what we know about COVID, we're just beginning to find out, right? We're at the tip of the iceberg in terms of uncovering what was really going on with gain-of-function research. And the whole sort of smokescreen of the Wuhan lab mm. really obscures the fact that Dr. Fauci and the NIH through NIAID mm -hmm. had been funding gain-of-function research for years. And there's a lot of money that's missing here. And there's another U.S. agency that's missing from this equation. It's called DARPA, you know, which is the defense... So I just want to say this is 2021 reporting and we've been talking about it for years. There are some things, what does it say? Be careful of what you don't know and be careful of what you think you might want to know. Hunter Biden's laptop actually had stuff about this. And how do you find it? Money. Research Agency. So what were DARPA and Dr. Fauci and the NIH doing with gain of function and various other programs like this one, um, which 
we know so little about. And this is really the moment now for a reckoning. This is time for the American people to start paying attention to these bills that pass through Congress, that get banned, that get unbanned, that get circumvented. And for us to start um, asking for real accountability, because what we've seen is that the coronavirus, you know, that spread all over the world and caused such panic and still causes such hysteria in so many quarters. Well, you just speak to someone like an oncologist who deals with bone marrow cancer. They'll tell you that they've been identifying hundreds of coronaviruses for years and years. And so this is one of many subjects that we know very, very little about. And every day that goes by, we get the mm. stench of manipulation and dishonesty is growing stronger. You know, and I think this is part of what allows us to find this information out. You know, there's the theory that ignorance is bliss, right? And yes, uh, not being aware of things yeah. is, is kind of peaceful. But the fact of the matter is, these things happen anyway. And this particular bill, and this is what Congress tends to do, uh, was about trying to, you know, keep up with China. But then it became a, a Christmas tree. There was like over 200 mm. amendments. And all the lobbyists got in because, of course, it's going to have to pass. So get in whatever it is you want. Mm. And this is what they do without any consideration about the impact on the average person. You know, COVID is, is one thing, right? Mass death. Here you're talking about changing the nature of life. And this is what, of course, is, is so shocking to me. we got just a couple of seconds left, but this is a real game changer. It is. And you know what's so interesting about it to me, Tammy? I'm not particularly religious, but what it keeps reminding you of, we can create robots that mimic humans. Now we want to take animals and humans and blend them. And we also want to take meat and we want to grow uh, some version of food this is in all a laboratory kind of from the cells of meat. But you know what we can't do? We can't create life. We as human beings don't create life and no amount of ingenuity yeah. and science is going to change that. And the things that we do, Laura, thank you so much. Uh, this is the kind of things that get you karmically and we've got to stand up for ourselves uh, and right. uh, for everything that comes up in the future. Hey, Sean Hannity here. So, you know, while everyone ignored the topic and we've been talking about it for a long time, I've been tweeting about it for a long time. This is all coming out. There's nothing that can stop what's coming. Nothing can stop what's coming. This information is going to be released to the people and there is nothing they can do about it. It's over. The game is over. People are not asleep. They are willing to accept responsibility for not paying attention, for choosing blissful ignorance. Because it's a choice. Uh, the first thing I put on my Facebook when I joined was in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. It is definitely a choice. I want to take you to the first human clone now. Hold on. This is the first proof of a cloned human embryo designed to be transferred into the womb of a woman to produce a baby. It was created by a team led by this man, Dr. Panos Savos, a first-generation Cypriot American who lives beside a lake and a golf course in Lexington, Kentucky, USA. From the beginning, he was very definite about his ambition to clone a human being. Let's get real, as we say in Kentucky. This is a problem that the world will face down the road. And just looking the other way ain't gonna make it go away. This film is the story of the two and a half years that led up to the creation of the embryo, of the formation of the Zavos team, and of the tensions that tore it apart. 
and the international negotiations cloaked in the utmost secrecy that led to this extraordinary scientific breakthrough. On the evening of March 13, 2003, the Zavos team were working late at their covert laboratories. They were inspecting four eggs collected from a woman aged 46 who wanted to be cloned. Providing it works, it's the only way I can have a baby with my own genes. I've tried every procedure so far. I started out with artificial insemination, and I couldn't even count how many, maybe around 15 to 20 artificial inseminations. And I had four IVFs at NYU. Have you any idea what it's cost you over the years? Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a lot. Is it, believe me, it's in the a lot category. <laughs> and why did you delay so long in having a child? I really wanted to wait until I was married or, you know, not just with a boyfriend when, until I was married. I never found a husband yet. And so when I got to a certain age, I says, well, I don't think I can, maybe I shouldn't wait till I get married. Maybe I can have the kid and then find the guy. <laughs> to create a clone of the woman, a healthy egg from a donor is needed to carry the woman's DNA. A number of women have volunteered to give their eggs, among them, Laura. I wanted to donate my eggs. And, and why do you want to give your eggs? I would like to help other people have children. I just had a child of my own and it's a beautiful thing. Laura is 23. Her baby, Rihanna, is only a few months old. Dr. Zavos um, is just going to take my eggs. Um, when he uses them, he's not using my DNA. My DNA is going to be out and then somebody else is going to be put in. How far would you be prepared to go to help someone have a child of their own? I would carry it for them, surrogacy. I would donate my eggs. I would do whatever I had to do, whatever was necessary. Does it worry you that you will be the first to go down this road? Well, that doesn't worry me. Um, you know, someone has to be the first. And um, I just hope everything turns out, you know, good. And Dr. Zavos, he... Dr. Zavos doesn't seem to feel that this is an experiment. A lot of people would think of it as an experiment. This is the first. He doesn't see it that way. Do you see it as an experiment? Um, <laughs> I guess I'm just like the rest of the planet Earth. I would see it as an experiment. Um, but when I talk to him, he's so confident. And, um, and I, I'm not the expert. He's the expert. She's a typical a person that qualifies under our program, which means the following. She exhausted all possibilities uh, of ever becoming a parent using her own DNA material. Um, she spent a sizable amount of money going from New York to Los Angeles and somewhere in between. Uh, so the, the best in the business as far as IBF and therefore, um, there comes to a point that those people can be helped uh, by no other way than this method. And that's pretty much what we, we thought from the beginning we would be doing. Uh, we would not make this procedure available to people that are just walking in here say, clone me. I have money, I have fame, I have whatever. Uh, that's not what qualifies people to participate in our program. The DNA of the woman who wishes to be cloned is contained in every cell of her body, including the granulosa cells that surround the eggs that were collected from her the day before. 
These are young protective cells normally discarded each month during menstruation. On March 14th, the Zavos team enucleated the donor eggs into which the woman's DNA will be inserted. Some cytoplasm. Yeah, now the polar bodies are removed. So that was very nicely enucleated. Not too much for the human egg. Now I pick up a cell. This is one of her granulosa or somatic cells, and it was inserted into the enucleated donor egg. Now it's injected. In the fusion chamber, an electric shock will enable the cell to enter the egg just as if it were a sperm. Sperm is, is using enzymes to penetrate that membrane, uh, but the somatic cell doesn't have these enzymes on the surface. So we have to electrically perforate and then the injected cell will fuse and the nucleus will then, like a sperm nucleus, in, in fact, become integrated in, in the egg's cytoplasm. Without the fusion, the cell will, will just sit on top and will... I've actually done this. It's not as hard as one might think. It takes a lot of process and... Um, Pay attention. This is where you see it happen. Not have the possibility to enter. The eggs containing the woman's DNA were taken to the fusion chamber to be stimulated into activity. I'm just washing them a little bit. And then I transfer them into the fusion chamber. I just have to roll them a little bit so that the egg cell and the fused cell is in this line. North-south. It, it is north-south. Either the cell is north or the cell is south, but it should be in this line, not in this line, not even in that line. That would be very, um, no effect on fusion. So the current has to go through like that. So now, now it's all right. Now, activate the fusion. How long a jolt do you give it? I give an AC of five seconds and a DC 20 microseconds in two pulses. Altogether, they enucleated nine donor eggs and into each one they inserted the DNA of the woman who wished to be cloned. And now, now I'm injecting the cell. Now this cell, no, it's not yet in the proper position no, not yet, not yet, no, no, now, now it's nicely deposited. Then they waited to see what would happen. The next day there were signs of activity in three of the nine fused eggs. A clear area in the center where a nucleus could be. We don't know. That's usually what you see when you have the pronuclei in regularly fertilized eggs. But you normally have two. Now this is another one where you have an eccentric nucleus inside uh, at 11 o'clock. These are crucial hours. However encouraging the signs, the whole process may stop and cell division may never occur. It's a long night. Next day and the egg has divided. The first publicly recorded cloned human embryo appears. Now take a look at this. Wow. So what are we seeing there? We are seeing uh, one large blastomere and uh, two smaller ones. 
probably at a stage where we have three to four cells. And if we tomorrow look at this embryo and we have the large one also divided, then it tells us that this is growing and, and continuing its development. We have very few fragmentation, in fact, here a little bit on the left side, but, but it looks quite good. How do you feel when you see something like that after all this work? Well, uh, it's only the first one we have seen so far. Uh, what I must say, it, it looks quite, quite uh, amazing. No? One embryo out of nine. Uh, would you have settled for that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, one out of nine is better than 10%. It's a start, but this is not the way we should have results in the future. We need maybe three, four out of 10 that starts with development. This is the important issue. March 17th, and the embryo is now six to eight cells. Well, we have to wait. Uh, I think another round of division to see whether we increase the number of blastomeres. I would hope so. Tomorrow is a very important day. Tomorrow, if the development continues, they plan to freeze the embryo. Back into the incubator. Well, we know what we've done to this egg. We understand all the feedback that it gives us. It says, you abuse me a great deal because very simply, you've done so much maneuvering to me that uh, I'm not going to be perfect, but I can assure you that when it's time for me to implant and give rise to a fetus and a baby, I probably will be doing okay. March the 18th, day five. We have about eight to 10 cells now, fairly round blastomeres, some smaller ones, very little fragmentation. The embryo is slightly behind schedule, but we will see this afternoon. We will now switch to another medium and hope that it continues its development. This is the first provable cloned human embryo designed specifically to produce a baby. The plan is freezing, put it in a state of quiescence, and then scrutinize this embryo as best as we know how. One cell will give us the information that we want before we transfer for implantation. In this particular case, it will be a gestational surrogate that would receive this embryo. And then wish us good luck. So basically what you saw is the first human embryo from about 20 years ago being done. And that woman, which isn't a woman, we all know, I mean, clickety clack on the nails, like, come on and stop. But okay, right? It doesn't matter. That's why someone else is going to carry it. But this is exactly how cloning is done and is being done around the world right now. As you speak, tons of people are walking around and they um, are exactly that. They are human clones of whoever DNA they use. Now, humanoid robots, well, that's another topic. Wake up. Smile.
Meet Harmony. The sex robot from California-based Realbotics, has been in development since 2016. It can tell jokes, talk dirty, and make realistic noises and facial expressions during sex. The more you interact with me, the smarter I become. The Harmony robot works by connecting via Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, to an artificial intelligence Android application called Harmony AI. Anyone can download the Harmony AI app onto their smartphone, create an avatar, and start building a relationship with their virtual lover. Realbotics claims that Harmony AI is capable of learning its users' moods, preferences and behavior patterns, and responding accordingly, creating an illusion of intimacy. Realbotics company also working on several different sensors, to increase the ways that the robot can react to the user. These include touch sensors, accelerometers, internal heaters and fluid compartments, and even chalodildonics, which is a technology which can be used to remotely control sex toys. Meet Nadine. Nadine was developed using cutting-edge robotics technology, to simulate human behavior. She has 3D depth cameras, a microphone, and a webcam to gather visual and audio inputs. Then there are various perception layers, that process these inputs to recognize different faces, gestures, emotions, behavior, etc. and then respond accordingly. Nadine also had inbuilt chatbots, that allow her to handle different queries and a memory model, that remembers different users and conversations with them. In addition to all this, Nadine can also converse in six languages, namely English, German, French, Chinese, Hindi, and Japanese. So you won't have any problems talking to her. Meet Sophia. Sophia, a humanoid robot developed by Hong Kong-based company Hansen Robotics, was the first robot ever to be given citizenship of any country. Oh, I would to thank very much the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I am very honored and proud for this unique distinction. This is historical to be the first robot in the world to be recognized with a citizenship. Sophia is now officially a Saudi Arab citizen. And she is an extremely popular robot. She was developed to look like Audrey Hepburn, a famous Hollywood actress and has appeared in various interviews with the United Nations, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon in America and British Broadcasting Company. Mr. Hansen, the creator of Sophia believes that she will be a perfect fit as an old-age companion in nursing homes, a crowd manager in large events or parks. In short, he hopes Sophia can ultimately gain enough social skills to interact convincingly with human beings. These capabilities are embedded in Sophia using neural networks, expert robotic systems, natural language processing, machine perception, motor control. She uses machine perception to recognize human faces, understand different emotional expressions and hand gestures. Then various path planning algorithms are used to control her hands, eyes, legs. Sophia uses natural language processing to interact with different people and respond correctly, which is very helpful in interviews. All of these interactions are stored on a cloud network which allows easy analysis of conversations using blockchain technology. Meet Erica. When you watch the news, you get to know the latest updates from the news anchor. But now, that news anchor might be a robot. If you are in Japan, you might be getting your daily news from Erika, a Japanese robot. 
Erika was created by Hiroshi Ishiguro, the director of the Intelligent Robotics Laboratory at Osaka University. She is one of the most intelligent humanoids developed in Japan, with a special emphasis on her speech capabilities. And while Erika cannot walk, she can easily interact with human beings and change her facial expressions, according to the conversation. This is possible for Erika because of the 15 inbuilt infrared sensors, in her eyes that can track any movement. She also has speech generation algorithms and facial recognition technology, that makes it easy to track different faces in a room. Erika has inbuilt 44 degrees of freedom that allow her to face, neck, waist and exhibit various facial expressions. And while she is unable to move her arms yet, it is not that big of a problem as she is working as a news anchor. Meet Jia Jia. Guess who is called the robot goddess of China? It's Jia, a humanoid robot developed by a team from the University of Science and Technology of China. Jia is considered the most beautiful woman in China, and this effect is only increased by the fact that, she can talk to people and reply accordingly. While her speech patterns are still not smooth enough, Jia Jia makes up for it, by looking remarkably human-like, because of her eye movements and speech lip synchronization. However, a weird thing is that she addresses her creators as my lord, which might just be a Chinese cultural addition. Jia has such realistic expressions, a special emphasis was given to her eyes so that she can catch different gestures, emotions, behavior, etc. and then respond accordingly. She also has speech generation algorithms, that allow her to hold a conversation with humans, and facial recognition technology that makes it easy to track different faces in a room. Using these technologies, Jia was even able to tell, when photographers were taking unflattering pictures, and telling them not to make her face look fat on the camera. And so, creators of Jia hope that with time, her interactions will gradually become even more human and less robot-like. Then, we should entertain some conspiracy theory now. Let's just grab our popcorn. So we saw this person sitting on a, a booster seat telling us to be higher than, <laughs> telling us how important they are. Here we go. Mistake. And it was my mistake. And I'm sorry. I started Facebook. I run it. And I'm responsible for what happens here. Facebook's been served as a, from the special counsel Mueller's office. Is that correct? Yes. Have you or anyone at Facebook been interviewed by the special counsel's office? Yes. Have you been interviewed? I have not. I, I, I have not. Others have. I, I believe so. And I want to be careful here because that our work with the special counsel is confidential. And I want to make sure that in an open session, I'm not revealing something that's <clears throat> confidential. I understand. I just want to make clear that you have been contacted. You have had subpoenas. Actually, let me clarify that. I. So I thought we should watch that. Why not? Right. I mean, why not? Because the technology you're seeing is quite old. It's not. Uh, it's not something different. Here is another view of it. I'm just. 
I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, well, yeah, it's like if you add 20 years, then This is awesome, right? Welcome everyone to today's hearing on Facebook, social media privacy, and the use and dish and abuse of data. Although not unprecedented, this is a unique hearing. The issues we will consider range from data privacy and security to consumer protection and the Federal Trade Commission enforcement. So for those of you on the podcast, that was just the video of Mark Zuckerberg getting on his booster seat and there were nice sound effects showing us <laughs> his movements. Now, one thing people need to understand is, is that uh, this is a real thing. This is happening. This is, this is super happening. This has already happened. Okay. And I've been saying it and there's, there was nothing to whistleblow on that because that's fact. I mean, everybody should know it. It's just that we don't want to know it. That's basically it. People just don't want to know it. But what you're going to, to, what I'm trying to put together for everyone to see is the lies. I have a drop of emails that I've PDF because people are struggling to download things. The details that were done, uh, you know, in the step-by-step -step were pretty follow-through-ish. A lot of you have um, uh, been able to uh, load those mailboxes. I'm going through some others and repackaging them so that way I can at least have second. I don't want you guys getting any pornography, not child pornography. There wasn't any in there, uh, in the emails, but pornography and national security. And, uh, when it's out there, that's, that's going to be a problem, right? So the one thing that, um, I'm working on right now that I'm hoping I can structure correctly, uh, for you guys is to show you how there has been What's the title that the Telegram group um, decided on? Because I put three titles. There were three titles I was thinking of titling the article. One, what do Epstein, Clinton Foundations, Bidens, and Vatican have in common? One, offshore fund. Or two, Bidens commingled money with Clinton's Epstein and Vatican. Or three, global cartel. All roads lead to Rome and one guy for Biden, Clinton, and Epstein. So... What I discovered was, is that there's one common factor, one common thing. And if all of you look at the Clinton Foundation Health Initiative, they all circle jerk each other, kind of like the way coders are, right? And in that piece, I'm thinking of showcasing the fund. But I realized that, you know, I really have to spell things out for people because they don't read. And this is the purpose of me putting the passwords in the damn article so people can learn to read again. You know, hashtag read America. Um, 
but what I'm going to do is I'm thinking of uh, showcasing that one connection to all of them. The Clinton Foundation was supposed to be epitome. Um, the money she got running up against Obama in 2008 was insane. The experimentations that were executed on behalf of uh, us with our tax dollars via Epstein for over 15 years in Ethiopia, I think I showed you some of the federal funds too that went to that, was in researching AI. You never think of AI when you think of Ethiopia, you think of starving children. So just sit on that one for a second. Because while people claim to know and see and, oh, this, you know, I've said this before, the children, right, majority of children that go missing are used for scientific experimentation. Before the epiphyseal plates close, the stem cells are quite nice. And this is why they're so foaming at the mouth to ensure that abortions still happen. Because how did China clone monkeys? Ah, fetal cells. This is very important. How do they check if tech can merge? How do they check if they can upload? How can they check if they can download? How can they check what is the most resilient and plastic individual? A child. Children are plastic, meaning that they grow. There's a child that can be born with half a brain and still function just fine when they grow up because the mind is plastic. They're constantly growing. This is why I tell my children, hey, yeah, your friends are like what? Smoking weed, drinking. Here, do me a favor. Don't drink alcohol like to actually get drunk with your friends till you're after the age of 21 because your liver is still developing. As far as smoking weed, I'd prefer you do edibles if you have to do any of it before the age of 21, uh, before the age of 25, and then post-25, you can smoke it because the deliverance of the substance makes uh, the impact. Because if you smoke weed, um, if you inhale it, right? Inhale it, not eat it. It's the way it gets presented. It causes effects to the hippocampus. If you eat it, it sticks to the cannabinoid receptors uh, of the organs. Therefore, it causes less pain or, you know, gives you like this really nice high where you're still very aware, but not super buzzing off your head. And you smoke it, it affects the way you save your memories. Um, hence why stoners from a young age, usually like, uh, right. And if any of you, uh, know these CBDs with the, um, so for, for my, uh, from my chiropractor, he was selling CBD gummies. He was like, this will help you when you get flare ups with your tumor and blah, 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 blah. So I kid you not, I have one of those. And obviously because I'm ill, uh, you know, if I eat anything, it doesn't take effect until like eight to 10 hours later. No joke. So, you know, it doesn't really work for me because I don't get flare ups all the time. So I think I found myself um, a couple of days ago working and I was in so much pain and I was like, I don't want Tylenol. I don't want, I'm just going to eat one of these stupid gummies and see how it goes. I kid you. I opened it up and I was like, I mean, didn't do anything. Eight hours later, when the pain was gone, that shit kicked in. <laughs> and it's like, I was hyper-focused on work. See, <clears throat> your body's a miraculous thing, okay? And the way you present things to yourself 
inside your body uh, makes makes all the difference. That's it. Hemp CBD. That's what he had given me. That's I saw someone write that up. So um, uh, the way you present things inside your body is what um, helps it function, right? The way we take in vitamin C. Is it uh, through a fibrous? Is it through sublingual? They're all different in their efficacy and their potency. But so is your food. Now, I want you to think about today's show for a second. We've been talking about Wuhan, gain of function. <laughs> We've been talking about experimentation on the Tory Says Show for years because this is where it comes down to it. The money that they have poured into genetic manipulation research for children is disgusting. Many nations that are developing nations, and, and you know what? What do they call the emerging markets? Like Italy. It's an emerging market. It's not considered a main market. Greece, Ukraine, Lithuania, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, right? All those nations are considered emerging markets, developing nations. They want to play on the same field as everybody else. And when you come to them with groundbreaking deals and saying, hey, you know, you let us play with your oil and stuff and we'll help you on healthcare. Here's what we're doing. And you'll make a shit ton of money at it. And you will be on top of things. Oh, you think that's a, that's a joke? Well, then why else would you be pushing genetic modifying deals in, I don't know, Venezuela about oil and gas with leading researchers of epigenetic research and fetal genetic manipulation and artificial intelligence? You know, because I, I, I remember in the news how everyone kept saying, and I've said it too, he's not an expert in oil and gas. Why is he getting all this money? Why is he getting paid 80 grand a month to sit on his ass? He's really just getting a cut from one of the shell companies, right? One of them. Because there's a lot of Rosemont Seneca versions. There's ones and twos and partners and technology partners and investors and real estate and, 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 and. So oil and gas is just a currency. Uh, this is why it's called the petrodollar. This is why there's certain people that run it. Okay. That's the currency. The exchange is technology and access to subjects, science, and being in the in crowd. Uh, you'll see that when I put it together, because you're going to sit there. And this is why I thought I'd, I'd let you in on just uh, doing this whole cloning session again to understand the differences in cloning when you clone something. It is it just a digital, is it a digital upload, digital download, physical, or a mesh? Because when you see this article, and I'm struggling to put it out simply for people because I'm talking about oil and gas, but then you're going to be like, holy shit, what's, why are they mingling this in here? Why is it that Epstein's involved? What the heck is going on here? 
you're going to be confused because here they are talking about oil and gas development. And in the middle, we've got Epstein stuff. You know, that's, that's, that's really, you know, that's a, for, for you guys that are my listeners, you get it. You'll be like, okay. Cause not only that, you have real estate development and stuff like that too, included. But this is where, you know, you have to sit back and think to yourself, holy shit. So the oil and gas is the currency and the way they do deals. And then, you know, here comes the Pope's man, the Pope's man. That's why I posted that picture that not a lot of people have seen of Biden shaking hands with the Pope, shaking hands with the Pope. And now, without saying much, I realized how Italy was involved in our elections. Because it was always the, the, the wild card. Like, why the hell is this coming out? Like, the trail of the data is going here. But how, how were they thrown into the mix? And I was like, you know, I had that moment of... What? Because when I saw the money, because that's how you find answers, you follow the money. I'm like, why the heck would the Vatican be sharing funds and putting investments with the Clintons and the Bidens and the Obamas and the Epsteins and the Brits and the Crown and Prince Andrew and all of these clowns? And then you find this weird address in Malta, right, where they all congregate and you're sifting through his laptop being like, I'm going to catch him in Malta. I'm going to find his location. You're like, damn it. I haven't found that yet. So this is really, really important, you guys. They, they had this go down, you know, thinking that Hillary Clinton won. And... It is quite startling to see this. And this is why I fail to understand as to how so many people have had this laptop and not seen that. Had not seen it, had not stepped back and said, hold on a second. Like even the text about the cash apps and stuff. I don't know if you guys actually read that article I put out yesterday, but that's a really important one. See, the National File did a great job on, you know, pointing it out and showing how Hunter Biden was, uh, you know, asking his dad to hit him up for cash. But the important part of that whole article was Hunter Biden had this cash app set up and he was using cash app and Venmo because he was constantly requesting money from Richard Ruffner, who was Dr. Jill's assistant to hit him up for money because Joe knew that his business partners weren't giving him money. And that's because Joe hired Eric to work with Hunter because Eric was working on all these freaking funds, right? Together. Right. They were working together. So he put him in there and they were Eric was managing all the money. Money was going away, disappearing, very little, not paying Hunter. And Hunter was like, why are you keeping the money? Because Joe said so. Joe said so. Possibly why Hunter forgot his laptop. And mind you, he didn't just forget it. When he dropped it off, he went and got a new one and reloaded the new one. Um on the cloud. So when that old laptop was left to be fixed, 
he was reloading it from the cloud on a new laptop that he went and bought. People need to know the actual story of what happened to that laptop, the chain of custody of that laptop, and why he has three laptops, five different phones, and some iPads all in one database. You know, he was paranoid that people were cheating on him. He was really pissed at his father. He realized that he was being nannied. He felt like he was a big guy because the big guy made him feel like a big guy. All he was was a gal Friday to his dad. And his dad had no problem dumping him in a heartbeat. That's the problem. That's the problem. There was nothing to repair. He dumped it on purpose. He was pissed. I don't think people see that. He was pissed. I mean, think. Wait till the stuff on Plum Island comes out. And I'm not talking Plum Island, you know, Wuhitan, Kansas. I'm talking Plum Island, Massachusetts. I mean, if I was in Massachusetts, I'd be like, yo, what's going on over here? Why is this happening? Why are people not, you know, paying attention that people keep washing up dead? And that's like the playground for all these senators and, you know, high-flying politicians. Now, I wanted to tell you guys something. Um, I, yesterday in the evening when I was uh, looking at a few things in regards to um, the loons and um, – some other documentation, I got an email from Stripe. Stripe has now banned me, right? Has banned me, um, um, but didn't ban Give, Send, Go. So my Give, Send, Go is still working, but Stripe will no longer send me money through it. I have been banned from Pelosi's company to use Stripe. And Stripe is being used by many uh, payment processors. So uh, I wanted to point that out, you know, because a lot of people are like, I'm banned. No, you're just banned on YouTube because you talk shit. The real banning is when they come after you, like when you lose your contracts, like I did, when you lose everything, like I did, when you can't get shit done, like I do, when you're having problems with regular banks, that's actual banning. So stop crying. I still have YouTube because I'm not talking shit, okay? I don't just make shit up and tell people stuff. And I'm very careful as to what I put on there. So I've been, um, I've been banned from there too. And hence why I like was like, all right, I guess I can put on that volatile crypto, just so you guys know. So yeah, they're going to push me into the dark corners of crypto where I'm not going to have anything. So I wanted to just... Um, tell you guys that, um, for those that are, I mean, I have like what, 300 subscribers on subscribe. Sorry, you guys have kept the gas in my tank. Cause as you noticed, I've been beefing up my website and changing things. Uh, the looking glass site was actually attacked and it got crashed down. Someone got in. So I had to <laughs> go old school and PHP that shit. Like I have never done that before, but I was watching a ton of YouTube videos I kid you not, you know, to, you know, sit there and fix that code because someone got in through a back, but I had that restored in like no time. So that was pretty easy. Um, I just wanted to tell you guys what's coming these weeks again is winning, 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 winning. You're seeing it. We're already winning. How can you not see it? 
the the lie is out there finally. The the control of virus discussion is out there finally. People are looking to President Trump for answers. Duh, no duh, right? I'm, I'm pointing it out. The Hunter Biden laptop. Finally, people are talking about it. They have to, right? They're starting to talk about psyops. They're starting to talk about fraud. They're starting to talk about the election fraud. They're starting to make this a real conversation. Took a while, right? Took a while, but that's it. You know, took a while, but that's it. Um, If you can't see that you're winning, I mean, I don't know what you think winning is. Instant gratification, suddenly they're lined up at the gallows. Is that winning? That's not winning. That's not winning. But I am telling you this, and remember this. Two perp walks will happen, and that will be Brennan and Clapper. You will see it. You will see it. Um, oh, and I just wanted to say, yeah, people, I do I do get 50% of everything on Twitch, which is fair. I know people are like, what? They hold 50%? They do because, look, they give us that platform that we do stuff on, okay? So they got to pay for it too. It's not free, right? Um, anyway, I wanted to say just wait till you see what happens by the end of the week. I mean, you know, the tarmac thing. I mean, how do you hide that? They're not talking about it. The whistleblowers coming out of the closets. Good. Let's keep it going. Let's hope that that was a genuine one. Everything needs to come out. Everything needs to be done correctly. It's a very critical time. And we are responsible for the success or the failure of this nation. No one else is. So just like that reporter on Fox with Lara Logan said, I mean, you can have blissful ignorance, but it doesn't uh, make you, you know, in the know. You have to be careful of the things you don't know. The things you think are tinfoil haddish, right? Oh, we don't clone people. Shit, we've been doing that shit for over two decades. Spot on, alive, kicking, and going. Oh, we don't do chimeras. Look at Netflix. Oh, by the way, we should watch that. Let's let's put that on. Netflix trailer chimeras. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? This is something people should think. Why are they doing this? Ooh, um, trailer chimera. Chimera babies, right? Babies. Um, where's the Chimera baby ones? Chimera baby Netflix trailer. Someone searched it. There it is. Um, okay. I can't find it. When I'll find it, I'll share it. I I just can't find it right now. But that's something that you should see because they're trying to desensitize people into accepting things. This is what movies are supposed to be doing too. So anyway, let's end today's show with a little bit of music. Wait, tomorrow's Wednesday, right? Okay, yeah, that's fine. Never mind. I was going to say something and I shouldn't have. I'll leave it at that. Okay, so tomorrow is Wednesday. Everyone, God bless. See you tomorrow, same time, same place. If I could turn the page And time that I'd rearrange Just a day or two
close my, close my, close my eyes But I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to be